podcast with Damian Barling. I thank you so much for tuning in as we approach the one year anniversary of this podcast coming up on Wednesday. I'm excited for that, man. I, um, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't have like a show planned. And, uh, for those, like, I think most of, you know, I take pride in how I prepare. I tend to over prepare and sometimes I force too many numbers into a conversation where those numbers don't need to be there just to show that I got them or whatever the case may be. And you know, I was sitting down last night and even a little bit this morning trying to you know, lay out like, what do we do here today? Like, like what's really important? And there are important things out there as they pertain to the sports world. The board of governors call with Adam Silver happened on Friday as we were told that it would. And I guess a vote or I guess something is coming up Thursday I said a vote. I don't. I don't, I don't think it's a vote, but um, Adam Silver is going to present, or, or perhaps the Board of Governors is going to vote uh, whether to accept Adam Silver's, uh, you know, presentation and plan to get the league restarted. So I, I think we're, you know, we're, we're just a few days away from. Even though I think a lot of us feel this way already, we're just a few days away from, you know, no longer being in the state of. If the league begins, we're in a state of when the league resumes and uh, we're getting close to having basketball to talk about. And uh, it'll be a welcome distraction with what went on this evening, you know, or or this weekend, excuse me. Uh, What I, you know, did on Friday was unintended how I opened the show. And, you know, I I, I realized I had kind of gotten into a dialogue about something and just decided I was going to finish it and put a disclaimer on on the podcast and say if you know you're not interested in those types of things um go ahead and you know skip ahead and and we'll get the sports show started for you when the when the boys in the hood music drops and uh, I can tell you the boys in the hood music isn't going to drop today uh we were opening there with with Sam Cooke a change is going to come and that's a song that was written in 1968 1968 was the that was the last time that 
violence had spread across uh, the United States and the manner in which it's doing right now. Um, it was actually recorded in 1964. It became a bigger hit. It was a hit when it came out, but it became the anthem uh, for many protests after Dr. King was assassinated in 1968 and set off that chain of pod, uh, set off that chain of protests and reactions. And over a hundred cities, 1968, a hundred major cities, many of the same ones that you've. Man, I have been a mess, bro. Like all week, I have just been like I I can't like get myself together. It's. I, you just, you like, you program yourself to say, man, everything, everything's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. And I am, I'm not happy tree, man. That, that, that belongs to, you know, my old partner, Jason Ross. And Jason was kind enough to, he was kind enough to text me a couple days ago. I mean, and we still talk like we're obviously, you know, we're friends. We probably don't talk as much as he should have. But he, he texted me on Friday and said, I wish I could. I wish we could have done the show together today. And that's, you know, he, he was such a he was such a great balance for me. Because he's an eternal optimist, he, you know. He coined the term happy tree and how he lives under the happy tree and he believes everything is, is going to work out in the end and everything is it's, it's, it's going to be okay. And I don't feel that way anymore. Like I, I don't feel like it's going to be okay. I, I don't feel like everything is going to work itself out. I don't feel like we're going to get through this anymore. It's, it's a feeling of like helplessness. It's a feeling of, of hopelessness. And... It's what people have been experiencing for for decades. You know, I, I, I chose to open with that that Sam Cooke song because a change is going to come. 19, 1964. A change going to come. 1964. And here we are. Tell me that there's anything in that song that's not relevant right now. And you go back and I, you know, I was listening to, you know, a lot of records of this nature. You know, Marvin Gaye's got several songs. And it was, you know, there's Mercy, Mercy Me and, and Inner City Blues. And, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's so many different records like that. And it, it, it just was like, which, which one strikes? Like, which one really hits me right now? And it was, it, I just kept going back to Sam Cooke. I mean, I'm telling you, I must have listened to Sam Cooke. I must have listened to that song that I just played for you, you know, 20 times this weekend. No exaggeration. I just listened to it over and over and over again. And I was thinking, man, maybe we, maybe we go with Marvin. You know, people, people, people love Marvin Gaye. They love hearing that sound. Maybe, maybe we go with that and do something different. I'm not going to play this whole song, but this, this just came to me this weekend. Mother, mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you die. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love here today. Those words, man, you. you hear him and you think yeah man let's let's like let's go like brother like help me help me let me help you let's help each other let's lift each other up and you see people out there trying to lift each other up you see black people out there trying to lift each other up you see white people trying to lend their voices to the black community something struck a different chord this time and i don't know if it's because in ferguson the, 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 the protests were not entirely localized within Ferguson, but they were they weren't as widespread as they were this weekend. But like the Sacramento Kings wrote Black Lives Matter on on, on their page and, and Netflix was was tweeting about Black Lives Matter. And the NFL, those shallow sons of bitches, they put out their own statement and you can, you know, I'm gonna ignore that trash. But you saw 
you know, you saw the usual suspects. You saw Steve Kerr, but then you, you saw organizations. You don't see organizations. You know, Brian Flores, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, put out a, a, a meaningful statement, an emotional statement. Michael Jordan put out a statement. Of course, it wasn't enough for some people because, you know, oh, it's too late or, oh, it's this. Like, we live in this weird world, man. Like, because of the advent of social media and because of, you know, social media is this thing where, I think we talked about this before. I'm positive we talked about this before. But social media is this thing where you have the ability to share your gut reaction, your immediate reaction with the entire world. And oftentimes your immediate action, your immediate reaction isn't the one that you maybe want to share with the entire world. Maybe you want to filter it out a little bit. And Jordan took time to filter his remarks. And you can be mad at Michael Jordan, say he took time to filter out his remarks because of his business. He took time to filter out his remarks because Republicans buy sneakers and he's got to worry about the Jumpman logo and he's got to worry about, you know, white people supporting the Charlotte Hornets or, or whatever. Like Michael Jordan, unfortunately, especially coming off the heels of him saying, I'm not an activist. Like That's not what I'm passionate about. He's in a no-win situation. And he puts out a statement of support. And people destroyed him for it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the statement that Jordan put out. But there's this preconceived notion with Jordan. Now, because he didn't put this big proclamation of I'm donating a million dollars, I'm donating $10 million, I'm donating millions and millions of dollars. Like, he, he didn't do any of that. He put out a statement of support. He sent his love for George Floyd's family, and it wasn't enough. And this, this came on Sunday, on Saturday night. Saturday night was the first night that I, and it's probably why I was in such bad shape on Sunday, is I, I was working on the, the next episode of the Relive podcast, which I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, that, that drops on Wednesday. I'm, I'm still excited about that. And I spent, you know, a big chunk of this weekend working on it. And when I got done with the work that I was doing Saturday night, sat down in front of the TV for the first time since all of this has happened and I put on CNN and I listened to Don Lemon. I listened to, you know, Don Lemon essentially call out black Hollywood or not being more supportive in these situations. And he was talking about statements and I love Don Lemon and I wasn't offended by what he said, but I thought he was a bit out of line by what he said. Because there were people online talking about why isn't J. Cole putting out a statement? How come J. Cole isn't talking? He's the most conscious rapper out there. Why ain't he doing anything? He was. He was on the front lines. He was out at these protests. And he was a protester. Because there's a difference. And people have allowed you to believe that there's not. There is a difference between a protester and a rioter. And they're not one and the same. But it's amazing to me how those people, those same people, who want to lump protesters and rioters together, they're the same people who desperately want, such, uh, want separation between the good apples and the bad apples. The good cops and the bad apples. They're not even called bad cops. Oh, yeah, of course there's bad cops. Bad apples. Like, that, 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 that term is so fucking played out. It's been ingrained in your mind. Like, if I said bad apples, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know I'm not talking about a bag of apples. You know I'm not talking about the Granny Smith and the Fuji and the delicious. No, I'm not talking about any of that. I say, oh, man, you've got bad apples. You know what I'm talking about. You know I'm talking about bad cops. And that line has been ingrained in our head. It's been recycled. It's been used over and over and over again. But we refuse to acknowledge. Those same people would refuse to acknowledge, like, there's peaceful protests going on. But... There are some bad apples. And oh, by the way, watch those videos that are circulating all over social media a little bit closer. Watch those videos that CNN is airing and Fox News are airing. Watch those again. Because they want you to believe that all those protesters are black. They're not. They want you to believe that all those rioters are black. They're not. And the reason they want that, the reason they, they don't want that separation there is because... The president of the United States is initiating a race war 
with the full-on support of the United States government. He's not the first president to do it. Richard Nixon has done this. You know when Richard Nixon was president? Mm -hmm. Back in the 60s. It's where we're at. Think about this as it pertains to Donald Trump. A president spends their first three years in office working for their final four. They spend their first, before they start that, you know, that campaign in that fourth year, they're working up to build what they're going to use in that fourth year to campaign for their next four. That's what they're working for. Because there's nothing embarrassing about a candidate running for president and losing. Yeah, because you can, they didn't run the right campaign. Uh, They went against a, uh, you know, a charismatic candidate, whatever the case may be. There's really no body of work to be judged, you know, at least in the role of president when you're running your first campaign. But there is something terribly embarrassing for a politician to be a one-term president. So they work. They work to get to that re-election campaign. And think about what Donald Trump has looked like for you know, the last four years, three and a half years. Think about what he has looked like and think about the things that he has said and think about the things that he has done, knowing all the while he's working for this election in November. Now imagine for a second what it's going to be like the day after that election and he knows he's got four more years and he has absolutely nobody that he has to cater to. He has absolutely no votes that he has to win. He has absolutely no one that he has to keep happy. Imagine what that's going to look like. People are looking to leadership to put out some sort of statement of unity. We know that that's not coming from Donald. You can be classified as a terrorist now. Antifa is not, it's not, it's, it's not even real. It's not. But you can be classified under it if you're a Black Lives Matter supporter. Because that's, 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 what they, that, that, that's what they want you to believe. They want you to believe that they're the same thing. Donald Trump actually retweeted uh, a, a, a video from some ass clown on Twitter. And it used the term the radical left. Oh, more separation. The the radical left. He's blaming every state that is going through these situations. He's blaming it on Democratic leadership. Every single one of them. And when was the last time you heard about COVID-19? When was the last time you heard about coronavirus deaths? Better yet... When was the last time you heard about Georgia and Florida and how since they've reopened their states, the number of deaths by pneumonia have gone up? Hmm. I wonder why that is. Two Republican-led states. Deaths by pneumonia have gone up, but not deaths by COVID-19 since the since their states have opened up. Can anybody add two and two together and get four, or is it just me? Our country is divided. Badly, badly divided. And it's being encouraged by the highest offices. The fight to end racism and oppression, it doesn't end. It never ends. 1964, a change gonna come. Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Mm. I don't know, Marvin, man. It's still happening, player. It's, it's, it's still going on. It ain't changed. You want to know what's going on? You wanted to know what was going on back then? Hell, brother, I want to know what's going on right now. One, two, three, four. <laughs> 
listen to some of these songs when you got some time today. Inner City Blues. Go back and listen to some of these songs that were recorded back in the 60s and 70s and how they still relate today. Marvin Gaye in person, man. Oh, I would have loved to have seen it. Because these concert albums of Marvin Gaye, man, ain't nothing like them. There's only one rendition of the national anthem I like. And it's the one from that all-star game. Find music to be soothing, man. That's why I think I'm playing so much of it today. might be one thing I could do all day is just go through music and play it for you and tell you to go listen to their songs in their entirety. Make a playlist of them. I'll make a playlist for you. Jason Tatum take part in protests in Atlanta. We saw uh, Mark Cuban standing on the front lines. J.R. Smith. Uh, Lonnie Walker was helped cleaning up after protests. I was sad to see what happened in downtown Sacramento. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to acknowledge that, that stuff isn't okay. You know what I mean? Like, not even if you're a supporter of the movement it's okay to acknowledge that stuff's not okay because that's not part of the movement looting isn't part of the movement what happened at Sharif Jewelers isn't part of the movement what happened at Kicks isn't part of the movement that ain't what this is all about but they want you to believe that it is they want these things to be the same they want them to be one and the same because they want to confuse the story and that's what Twitter allows you to do it, 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 it allows you to confuse the story saw a video uh, last night where it shows this kid, it was a man, it was a white man, he, was, he got jumped and beat up by a bunch of protesters and the video was posted as these protesters just killed somebody. That seems like an arrestable offense. Except they didn't kill him. And that, that's what the tweet was. That's, that's, that's what the, these protesters just killed a person. And when you, because I, I took the time to get some background on the video. That's not something everyone would do. Just like I t- took some time to get some background on the picture of the police officer who killed George Floyd. There was allegedly the, the make whites great again or something like that. Th- that wasn't him. That's not a real picture. You can't believe half the shit that's on the internet anymore. You can't, at least you can't believe half the shit that you see the first time around on the internet. You have to go and make sure you've got to like double, triple and quadruple check. You've got to fact check stuff before you go reciting it as fact. You got to fact check stuff before you put it on your timelines, you put it on your stories, before you put it on Facebook. You've got to do that. That's your responsibility because your Instagram page, your Facebook page, your Twitter page is a representation of you. And I looked at this video. I looked deep down. What what the initial posting of the video left out is that the guy was chasing people with a sword. The guy was literally chasing down a who owns a fucking sword? This guy is chasing people down with a sword. And they tackled him to keep them from killing this teenager. And the reason they beat him is because they were trying to wrestle the damn sword away from him. But that's not the story that they wanted out there. It's hard to... You know, I, I, I've been around police officers for so long because you know being at KSFM you know when I started my career and I was 21 I couldn't you know even in a high profile position even in the high profile position of the morning show because I was so young and I was unproven and my program director was like hey man cool like you've you've done good but we don't know what you look like in a 
we don't look like we don't know what you look like when you've got to be rated and when people are tuning in only we don't know what that looks like so we're gonna hire you for this job but we're barely gonna pay you anything well you can make $35,000 but he said if you work your ass off I promise you'll make double that and what he meant by work your ass off is he said I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a chance to get out there and be in the streets and my first year in radio I'm sorry my first full-time year as the morning show host at KSFM I was at nightclubs on Thursday nights, every Thursday night for over a year, every Friday night for over a year, every Saturday night for like three years. Many, many Sundays, not every Sunday, but probably if there's, you know, I don't know how many Sundays, 52 Sundays in a year, maybe I was working a club, 40 of them. And so I was always around police officers because obviously they're at nightclubs. Some of the, all of those nightclubs, with the exception of the one I did regularly on Sunday, they were either in downtown or old Sacramento. And many of those police officers are still on the force. Some of those police officers I've got to encounter at Kings games, like they've moved up the ranks and, you know, have gained stripes. And they're, I mean, they're just fantastic men, fantastic individuals. And I don't see them, not one of them on any of these videos. Because they're good people. And they do things the right way. And it's frustrating because when you're preaching for equality, it's like you can't, you know, it's the, it's the frustration that, that we have where everything gets lumped together and spoken about in general, generalities. I'll learn to speak, man. I'll get my shit together one day. I'm using up all my bad words for the next month, man. I promise. I'm 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 gonna get them all out uh, in, in the next two days. Come, maybe that'll be my <laughs> the, the the birthday resolution, man. I thought I was doing good too. I was doing good for a while. I had abided by the one f bomb a week rule. I even scaled back on that. Uh, it's just it's it's hard. It's frustrating. I even told Jason when he texts, man. I, all I do is I'm just in this like stage of like anger, and I just want to just want to cuss. I just want to be like I I, I want to be mad. Yeah, I was around some of my closest, I was around my absolute closest friends on Friday night. And it it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't separate my head from what was going on. And of course it, you know, dominated the conversation. And I, you know, I I saw, you know, my, my, my barber Thursday afternoon, he goes, man, how, how do we get justice for this? We don't. Never got justice for Emmett Till. We we don't we don't get justice when it comes to this stuff. You think them dudes in Georgia is gonna stay in jail? You think them them McMichael boys is gonna stay in jail? I don't think so. I think when they can quietly let them go, that's exactly what they're gonna do. And it's probably not that different than what they're gonna do with this police officer. I remember how stunned I was. Remember, and remember when the lady entered the guy's house? She entered the wrong house, and she she thought she was walking into her house, and she killed her brother. Who was it was it was in his home? I remember being floored that she went to jail and lost her job. I was stunned, and that's kind of still where we're at. We're still at the place where. Convictions of officers are irregular. When you're talking about someone's life being taken away, it shouldn't be a yeah, but. If you're one of those people who runs around and screams about blue lives matter, I sure hope you were screaming that a couple of weeks ago when those white folks were at the Capitol with their American flags. And don't think that that's by accident. When people get together at Trump rallies with American flags in tow, it's because they want to remind you. We support Trump. Trump supports us. This is our America. It's not yours. And it doesn't matter if you're black, Hispanic, Asian, if you're anything but white, it's not yours. That's why all those American flags were out there at the state capitol a couple of weeks ago. It's a reminder it's a reminder to you. This is our country, not yours. 
and our president is down for us and not you. That's why I don't like how much better are things going to get? Like, I, I don't know how I can have this. I don't know how anyone can have the state of mind. Well, it's, it's, it's going to get better. I ain't heard anybody with any amount of, of, of leadership in this country step up and say, we're going to get through this. It's going to be better. I am firmly of the belief now it's not. It's not going to get better. In fact, we're entering what's going to be one of the most ugliest times of the year. It's going to be one of the most ugliest times in recent memory. We're headed into election season. And I know I've shared with you how I feel. I don't think Donald Trump is going to lose because this, this country is built on racism. This country is built off racism and seconded by political power. Those two things favor Donald Trump. They don't favor Joe Biden. And there are enough people who think that Joe Biden's not a strong enough candidate. So they're going to do what they did last time. They're going to do what they did in 2016. And if they do, and I'm talking about sit out the election, if they sit out the voting process, if young people again sit out the voting process, Donald Trump is going to win. And then what? In fact, I'll, th I'll throw another one at you. What if Donald Trump loses? Like, what if Joe Biden actually gets elected? Do you think Donald Trump is just going to be, oh, shucks, hell of a campaign? Oh, no. Oh, no. Not even a bit. Can you imagine a President Obama and his wife sat next to those two individuals who started the whole birth certificate fiasco and claimed he wasn't a part of this country, claimed that he was an illegit, Ill illegitimate president. They sat next to that man who for four years had sat on the sidelines and trashed him. He sat next to him with dignity and turned over the highest office this country has to offer. You think Donald is going to do that if he loses? Now, in five years, sure he will. Because he would have accomplished what he wanted to and he wouldn't have lost an election. Even if he's turning it over to a Democrat, he'll happily do it. Because he would have accomplished what he wanted to. But this coming January, if he loses that election in November, you think he's going to sit next to Joe Biden and just hand him the White House? Of course not. He's already planted the seeds for what his strategy is if this goes awry. If he actually loses, he's already planted the seeds for what he's going to do. He's going to claim voter fraud. He's going to claim voter suppression. He's going to claim all of those things that are very real in the black community. He's going to claim all of those things that are very real when it comes to voting for Democrats. Because you don't hear about voter suppression in white neighborhoods. You hear about it in black neighborhoods. But he's going to claim that. He's already planted the seeds for it. With all of this mail-in ballot stuff. He's not going to go quietly into the night. There's going to be a fight that's going to weaken this country even further and create an even greater divide. Which is hard to imagine. Because I cannot envision us being more divided than we are right now. Can you? Can you imagine us being more divided than we are right now? Because I can't. And I applaud, you know, these, these athletes. Some of these athletes have spoken up for the first time. And I saw a lot of people talking about white privilege openly for the first time. And that's a term that offends so many white people. They, they truly don't understand what it means. Oh, I've, I've worked so hard. I've, I don't have any privilege. My mom had four jobs and my dad had two jobs and then he left us when I was 13 and then my brother died and I fought hard. Yeah, it, it doesn't, white privilege doesn't mean that you didn't fight hard. It doesn't mean that you didn't work hard. What it means is that your skin was never a detriment. There's a line that's been passed down generation to generation to generation. It was a focal point in the TV show Scandal. If you ever watched the TV show Scandal with, with, with Kerry Washington, Olivia Pope. 
I'm talking to your kids. Your kids are black and you're talking to them and you're telling them. You've got to be twice as good to get the same thing that they get. Because being just as good isn't enough. That offends people. Everything offends people. And it's this, this thing about being uncomfortable. We hate it. We hate being uncomfortable. We hate change. We don't want change. We want things to be the way that they are. But we have to get through that initial stage of uncomfortableness to accept the change. Think about this. Let me use this as an example for you. Many of us are in a place now where we're, we're like working from home, right? And, you know, our, our offices have, you know, they've shut down because of, you know, COVID-19, believe it or not, that's still going on. And, you know, we've been forced to make kitchen tables our offices or we've been forced to turn spare bedrooms or extra bedrooms or closets into workspaces. And it was uncomfortable and it was hard because, you know, the wife would come in while we're trying to work or the husband, you know, would interrupt us while we're trying to work or the kids need something because they're not at school. And so things kept interfering with your ability to work. But yet here we are, you know, three or four months in. And guess what's starting to happen? There are businesses who realize now, hey, maybe the nine to five come into the office five days a week, work week, maybe that's passe. Maybe in certain professions, certainly not all. But in, maybe in certain professions, we allow people to work remotely. Maybe in these professions, we allow them to work remotely. And with that, we can reduce our overhead as a company. We can get smaller offices. Maybe you don't have to show up at the office five times a week. Maybe you've got to come in once. Maybe you got to come in twice. Maybe you only got to come in once a month. Maybe you don't have to come in at all unless it's coming in for a meeting. Maybe you have weekly meetings in which everybody comes in. But we were only able to get to this point. Like I can think of a couple of companies off the top of my head. I used to work for one in which they're talking about this. And you realize we had to get through that initial stage of uncomfortableness from working at home to where it's like, hey, this is not so bad. I've been able to get my work done. I got a little more extra time. I've been able to manage the kids. schooling. I've, I've heard people talking about they're going to homeschool their kids now. Okay? Because they got through that initial stage of uncomfortableness. Racism seems to be the one entity where we're not willing to get past that initial stage of uncomfortableness. Let me put it in a different term. Everybody can relate to going out on a first date, right? Everybody can relate to that initial conversation when you met your girl, or you met your man, or you met your wife, or you met your husband, or whatever. Right? Those, that first conversation, even the, whether it's the first conversation on the phone, whether it's a conversation in person, whether it's a conversation online, it's awkward. The first everything is almost always awkward. But we get through it. And sometimes we find out, hey, man, this was worth it. I met my soulmate getting through that awkward stage, getting through that uncomfortableness. I met the love of my life. Getting through that initial stage of awkwardness. I met my best friend. Getting through that initial stage of awkwardness at work. Man, I built my career here. Getting through that initial stage of awkwardness when you own your own business, man. Look what I've built. I've built an empire. But with racism, we are unwilling to take that first step. We're unwilling to start that initial stage of awkwardness, that initial stage of uncomfortableness so we can move on from it. We refuse. And why? Why do we refuse? Because it's passed down from generation to generation, to generation, to generation. And it's never going to go away. Racism isn't going away. Oprah once used a line that, of course, people cut up and chopped and made it out to be something else. But someone asked her, and, and, and I'm not going to give you an exact quote because I honestly can't remember it, but someone asked her, like, what would it take for racism to go away? And the line she used in full context was, well, I think as generations die, as 
older generations of white people die, that racism will die with it. And I remember seeing that clip like, first it was completely misrepresented, but I remember seeing that clip thinking like, oh, you nuts. You, 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 you don't think like, look at the McMichaels in Georgia. That was a father passing his racism onto his son. You think if old daddy don't have a grandbaby that it's been passed on to them already? It's a trait. Just like curly hair is a trait. It's passed down. Just like blue eyes is a trait. It's passed down. If you get lucky, it skips a generation. You know, growing up in the family, I did, man. My, you know, my grandpa, I, I love my grandpa more than, you know, growing up, you know, my dad left. It was my mom and my sister, and, you know, my grandpa loved me. I know he did, but he was racist. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, he, 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 but, but he, he tried not to be. You know what I mean? Like, he tried not to be, but he still was. Like, he used terms like colored people. You know what I mean? But he thought it was okay because he wasn't using the other word anymore. And he would ask, hey, where's your black friend? He thought that, like, he, my best friend was black growing up. Like, Where, where's your black friend? It's just the way he was. I told you, like, 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 it was so great, like, watching my grandpa admire Mike Tyson. Like, I look back on it, and I can't help but laugh. And he knew, like, he knew because of who I was and, and where I came from that, he couldn't, he either had to make the decision to not love me or change the way that he thought. And he changed the way that he thought. I, the, 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 my, if my grandpa's grandkids, there was no one closer to him than I was. No one. In fact, no one was closer to my grandparents, period, than I was. But I, I also know that that stuff can easily be picked up in a different way. I, I, I also know that, you know, my mom's brother's, truth be told, I, I don't, I told my mom the other day, like her family fucking sucks. Like I don't associate with any of them and I haven't for decades. You know, my mom was, she's, she's one of a kind, particularly in that family. And I, you know, she's got four brothers, I think one, two, three, I I, I don't know. I, I think four and a sister. I don't associate with any of them. They're all the same. Thankfully, my cousins aren't, you know, I, I, and granted, I don't, I don't talk to them, you know, as much as I should, but you know, they haven't picked up those traits that, that many of them have. Kills me, man. Kills me. And I want to say something positive to end the show. I don't know what to say, man. I don't, I I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to, press forward and be positive like I I know I'm not the only one who has this feeling and I I just I desperately want it to go away I want this feeling I have to go away and it won't and I distract myself with work and it 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 doesn't work you know what I mean like I I I tried to plan this podcast but I was like what am I going to talk about you know for those who don't like this aspect of what I do and I do think it is a very you know, it's a minimum number of people, and I understand that. And I'm grateful for everyone who listens. And, and if you don't like this stuff and you skip these episodes, man, I, like, I, I understand. And I was trying to respect that, which is why I decided to bring Be Conscious back. I thought, man, I could kind of let my feelings out there. And the people who want to hear it can hear it. And the people that don't, don't. It's, it's like, you know, wrestling. Some people love wrestling and they want to hear I've given a form to where I can do a daily, a, a, a news podcast, just like I do this one, except it pertains to wrestling. But I know the, the, this is a sports centric podcast. Like I don't sit across from, you know, Marshall Harris and, 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 and Sarah Hodges on, on the CBS set because, because of my political views or because of my be conscious mentality. I sit across from them because of sports. And I tried to plan this show and, you know, as I went through headline after headline after headline, it was, you know, Jalen Brown uh, driving to Atlanta. It was Lonnie Walker helping clean up. 
You know, it was Michael Jordan's statement. It was, it was, it was J.R. Smith, you know, beating up dudes who aren't protesters but are rioters. Smart Cubans standing on the front lines. It's statements from teams like, you know, the Connecticut Sun and the Minnesota Lynx and the Los Angeles Sparks in the WNBA. It's statements like the ones that the Sacramento Kings put out. It's statements like the one from the NBA and the MLS and the Sacramento Republic. This is like, like our world is encompassed in this right now. And I couldn't, I couldn't do the podcast that maybe you wanted. I mean, I mean, I could tell you with basketball, it's, it's close. That would have been the shortest podcast ever. Actually started with, I, I decided to play the, the, the entire version of A Change Gonna Come because I really didn't know what I was going to be able to do today. There is no outline in front of me. There's no script. I just sat down and started talking because, honestly, dude, I'm praying that this makes me feel better. Even if everybody turned the podcast off when the song started, I'm praying that this makes me feel better because I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to get over this this time. Oh, man. But if you stuck around and listened to all this, just know that I appreciate it. I know I said last week I wasn't going to I was going to keep this stuff limited to our to our other podcast. And literally one show later, I deviated from that. But I hope you understand why. And I hope that, again, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's a small number. But still, that small number matters. Um, I hope that you took the time to listen to this. If for nothing else, then just hear somebody's perspective. Here, I mean, hear what hopelessness sounds like. Because that is 100% how I feel. Hopeless. friendly announcer I have serious news to pass on to everybody what I'm about to say couldn't mean the world's disaster could change your joy and Treasure. If love and peace you trade. 